Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, welcome to the month of May, Ernie. It is the start of the second round of the NBA playoffs. Your Celtics in action today in game one. We'll get to that in a little bit. And of course, we're going to spend the majority of our show doing our NFL draft recap as who we thought did well. We'll touch on almost all the teams to, to say, you know, what we may have liked, what we may have disliked. But Ernie, let's start with the NBA and let's start with your Celtics in game one today against the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh boy, what a struggle. <laughs> what, what a struggle. Talk about when, uh, you know, all the expectations after you sweep the nets, uh, you're holding a home court advantage and you basically lay an egg, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks 101-89. Terrible Terrible offensive play from uh, the Boston Celtics, and I'm talking historical lows, when you only score 10 points, 10 points from two-point range, you're going to lose. I'm surprised it wasn't actually a, a bigger margin. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks, the way they defended, they allowed for the three to happen, really packed the interior of that defense, made it very difficult for Jason Tatum. Basically, all interior uh, 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 players to to actually score in the paint, and they, you know they fall to the Bucks by by twelve points. But you know uh, it's 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 game one. I'm reminded when I'm looking through all the instant reactions uh, in regards to this game why I despise. New England Patriots fans. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, geez, I'm looking at all these uh, Boston Celtics fans making knee-jerk reactions. The season is over. We gotta, we gotta break up the Jays again. Ime Doka sucks. You know, <laughs> it's game one, folks. That's why they play seven. They gotta win three more. I mean, if it was on the, I can guarantee you, if the if the Celtics prevailed in this game. The Bucks aren't saying those because the Bucks won two games, uh, two series last year when they won the NBA championship when they were down 0-2. Yeah. So not all is lost. Not all is lost on top of this. However, I I, I will press the panic button if they uh, lose uh, on Tuesday when they meet again. I mean, yes, yeah, certainly I think Tuesday is going to be not a must win, but certainly a, a very, very important game for the Celtics. But we're talking about this off the air. I think if you're playing relatively well, defensively, they played well. They played I mean, well. Giannis was 9 for 25. He did have 13 rebounds and 12 assists. But, you know, Milwaukee was held to 41% shooting overall. The problem was the Celtics shot 33% for the game. Mm-hmm. If the Celtics were to have shot 41%, like Milwaukee, they would have won. Yeah. You know, so you were talking about they had wide open looks. They just were knocking them down. Law of averages, those are going to be hit down. So if there's a positive spin that you can take as a Celtic fan, you got to think that they're not going to shoot 33% again. And if they do, they're in trouble this year. Yeah, they they deserve to lose. But the chances are they're not going to shoot 33% again. They were shooting 50-plus percent against the Nets. Now, Milwaukee's a different animal defensively than the Nets. But if you just split the difference and shoot 42, 43, 44%, I think the Celtics are still going to be in good shape because the burden really is on Giannis. I mean, he has to facilitate. 
you know, at the end of the games last year, Middleton took a lot of that pressure right. during the last six to eight minutes. Right. Giannis is having to do that. Uh, and his free throw shooting still scares me. So I still believe that, that your Celtics are in a good spot. I think after a four-game sweep, fans tend to get a little bit irrational in mm-hmm. their analysis. And maybe some of them thought that they were going to sweep through this whole playoffs. That's not going to happen. This is going to be a six, seven-game series. We talked about this last week where right. Milwaukee would regret giving up the two-seat possibly if they had to play a game seven in uh, in Boston. And I, I still think that that's probably likely to happen i see this still going seven mm, yeah i mean uh, initially i actually had boston in seven once i found out that middleton was going to be uh, gone for the uh duration of this series even probably the eastern conference finals uh if they if they win this series but i i, I reduced it to six i'm going to stand by that you know uh props to middleton i mean props to not middleton props to Giannis. And Drew Holiday for having outstanding games. Even though, like you mentioned, Giannis was held in check. The guy came out with a triple-double. He scored when he had to do it. And boy, his, uh, his sh- the shot creation that he did for himself when he threw, gave himself assists off the backboard to put in. I mean, that, that, that was epic. That really took the air out of uh, you know Boston Celtics uh, comeback, but I have every confidence that this is not going to repeat itself. I mean, when you score ten points, ten measly points from two point range, uh, it it actually in, in the that's kind of, it's shocking. It's, I mean, that, yeah, that is shocking. In historical archives, since they've been tracking this stat. It is the second lowest in playoff history. And sometimes when you live by the three, <laughs> these kinds of things happen yeah. when you're not going to be hot. So I, I would expect Boston to bounce back on Tuesday. That is going to be a critical game, though, for your Celtics. In the other game today, what a game that was, mm-hmm. especially in the second half. 117-116, the Warriors pull out a victory in Memphis in a tight game that just before halftime, Draymond gets thrown out of the game. I believe questionably thrown out of the Mm. game certainly i I get the flagrant one but a flagrant two there seemed to be a little bit ridiculous but the rest of the team responded jordan Poole lighted it up in the second half went for 31 points nine assists eight rebounds carried the the warriors when clay was in foul trouble and missing he didn't have a very good game clay struggled i mean uh curry struggled down the stretch Clay hit the big one. He did. He hit the big one to go up 117-116, then shockingly missed two free throws <laughs> to give Memphis a shot, and Morant just couldn't get that layup to go. But what a game. It was an exciting. It was so different from your Celtic Buck game, which is physical and defensive-minded. Right. This was a shootout. Much more fun to watch yeah, as, a, it, as an objective fan. It, it was. You know what? Props go out to Memphis. I mean, I I, I really expected the runs to happen uh, from the Golden State side and slowly pull away but you know memphis just they just lit they lit it up and they kept pace with the golden state warriors all the way until the end like you said uh clay thompson missed those last two free throws very questionable call at the end calling having that uh on the second uh on the rebound off off of those free throws whether or not uh you know the ball goes to golden state or memphis uh it looked very questionable when the call went on memphis's favor but john morant uh, I guess the bas- basketball gods, uh, you know, came to save the day, you know, and John Morant misses that last second shot. But 116, 117, this, yeah. this is shaping up to be a series where I thought it was going to be done in five. And you know what? The, for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, I really didn't have too much hope for them. 
they are a very young team. I mean, when your when when your star player is is uh, basically a, call him a teenager, you know, even though he's maybe a little bit older than that, and then you got Desmond Bain. Uh, this this team is very very talented. I just think they need a year or two, get a taste of these playoffs, and maybe in a year or two they will have a serious challenge. I think just like your Celtics, though, they have to be encouraged. As much as the, it was it was a tough loss, John Moran played spectacularly well. He had thirty four points today. Jaron Jackson played exceptionally well. He was Clark five two. for seven from three. He had thirty three points. Clark has been just such a key player uh, in the first playoff series. But that's it. I mean, Desmond Bain really carried them in the in the first series. He was way off today. And then Dylan Brooks really struggled with three air balls in the first half. Uh, he really, really struggled too. So if you're Memphis, are you going to get that, that John Morant and Jaron Jackson every game? Maybe not. But you're certainly not going to expect to get Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks to have the, the terrible day that they had. So I think this is going to be a grind. I, like you, still think Golden State will win this. I think Golden State will win it in six. I think Memphis will bounce back in game two. I think Golden State will go home, handle their business. Memphis will come back, win game five, and Golden State will go home and win game six. That's what I would think right now, but that is predicated on Golden State staying healthy. But what an exciting game. Now, let's switch to the the, the other two games that's going to start... You know, gang, we record Sunday night, so by the time you listen to this, Game 1s would have probably already happened with the Heat and the Sixers, as well as the Mavericks and the Suns. I think it's going to be a real uphill battle for the Sixers with, you know, Joel Embiid now hurt again. He already had the torn ligament in his thumb that needs surgery. Now he has a broken orbital bone and a mild concussion, at least out the first two games. I just cannot see Philadelphia going into Miami and winning either of those two games without their monster star in the middle. No, no I, that's going to be a tough, tough battle. But, you know, if I were a Miami Heat, and I think Spolstra is, is great because he doesn't look past this. I mean, they, they go game by game. Uh, very, very difficult for Philadelphia to come out of this. I truly expect Miami to, you know, take these first two games. If it was any other team, they, they might have a letdown, you know, people looking past Philadelphia. I just don't see a Spolstra coach team uh, looking past that. I think they come in and I think they come in gangbusters. I look for two blowouts from Miami on top of this. I mean, it, it would seem logical that that's what's going to happen. My only concern is Miami's beat up too. I mean, Lowry was hurt in the first series. Butler was hurt in the mm-hmm. first series. They're, at least Butler is supposed to be back for game one. Um, but injuries matter. you know. So if Butler is out or gets hurt again, then that negates the Embiid factor. But for now, with what we're looking at, uh, I can't imagine the Sixers putting up much of a fight in the first two games, and then we'll see if Joel Embiid can come back in Game 3. And in the West, Booker comes back much quicker than expected, but that scares me. As somebody who's had hamstring issues, that scares me that he was supposed to miss two to three weeks, and he came back in one. Um, that That's a scary proposition, but that's going to be a battle. I mean, originally, with a healthy Suns team, I would think that they were going to roll... You've been a proponent of, of the quality of the Dallas Mavericks, so I would expect that you think that this could be anyone's series. Yeah, I, I really think so. With a healthy Booker or not, I just like Dallas's defense. And if Dallas keeps it close at the end of the game, I think the best player on the court isn't Booker. It's going to be Luka Doncic. I mean, he's proven it time and time again. The guy is just, he is clutch. The guy is just clutch. 
I mean, I'm not taking away anything from, you know, Chris Paul and Booker. I mean, they're number one throughout the entire league for a reason. I mean, their whole team is just that way. But if the Dallas Mavericks can play the defense that they've been playing over the second half of the season and keep it close and leave the ending for uh, Luka Doncic to, you know, clean up all the mess, I believe the Dallas Mavericks have a legitimate shot of upsetting the number one seeded. Well, anytime you play defense like Dallas is playing defense uh, behind Jason Kidd and you have injuries uh, that could be in play and you have the best player on the floor. I mean, some people may debate that, but I think generally speaking, I think Luka is probably the best player on the floor. Uh, You're always going to have a chance. So I think this, this goes maybe seven, certainly at least six. But if I, I think if it goes to a six game in Dallas, I think Phoenix will end up having to win in seven. Um, I think it's going to be much harder. I yeah. think Phoenix is going to have to work. They have to work really hard against New Orleans with or without Booker. And they're going to have to work really, really hard against the Dallas Mavericks if their quest for a title is still something that they're going to try for. Yeah, and I believe that series against the Pelicans, I think it, it uh, you know, opened up some flaws that, uh, you know, the Dallas Mavericks can possibly exploit off of the, the Phoenix Suns. All the pressure is on Phoenix. I mean, they didn't win it last year. They're the overwhelming favorite to win it this year. Uh, you know, and, and Luca and his crew is, is, is new. All the pressure is on Phoenix, you know. And like you said, if Booker... Uh, re-injures that hamstring at any point in this series, it's gonna. I would. I think that would be. It that would, would be that, that, that would be that would be detrimental. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, especially if Luca stays healthy. I mean, he missed a couple games of that Utah right. series, but if he stays healthy, uh, that's gonna be fun. I mean, I think it's gonna be a really really good series. I, I think we're in for dogfights now. You know, the yeah. first round, other than the Memphis and Minnesota series that went six hard-fought games. Most of these series were over in four or five games. Um, This round, I think, is going to be different. I think we're looking at seven games in the Celtics series. Depending on Joel Joel Embiid, that could be the one series that goes quickly. But I think we're looking at long series here, even with the Memphis and, and Golden State, as well as Dallas and Phoenix. So enough basketball talk. As big of a basketball fans as both of us are, uh, and your Celtics are still kicking and screaming. Let's talk NFL draft. So sure. before we get into the winners and losers, Ernie, the big surprise has to be one quarterback going in the first round, mm-hmm. and how far Malik Willis dropped. That was a shock. That that was a shocker. It and you know what? I felt so bad for the kid. He's in Las Vegas. And you got to think that when they invited these kids there, they must be basing it on information that they have. Right. So what happened if he's one of 21 kids invited there and he goes with the 76th pick? I mean, that was and the kids got a got a lot of class, but so he handled it well, but that had to be humiliating it, to it, sit it, there for two full days yeah. before he gets picked. Yeah. I mean, it has to, it has to be other teams posturing. I mean, I think they were all uh, hyping up uh, Malik Willis in one form or another, you know, just so they could pro- possibly get get a Kenny Pickett or a, a Desmond Ritter, you know, take the other quarterback so I can get I can get mine. And, and unfortunately, you know, j- just the raw talent alone was wasn't enough wasn't enough for Malik Willis. I mean, I I I, I actually thought I truly believe that that guy was gonna go at the at the latest in the 
pick 10 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we both had them going in the sixth slot, you know, so we yeah. were only off by 70 picks there. Yeah, I, I assume somebody <laughs> was going to trade up and and he would be off the board. Yeah, so when your Steelers are picking at 20, and again, we'll get into this a little bit later, you had your choice of quarterback and they did not take Malik Willis. And, yeah. and I think that was surprising to you. It, 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 it was surprising because when you said that, I was ready to... <laughs> Write down, write down his name as a Pittsburgh Steeler, and it it, it was uh, a little like like you said. It, I was basically shocked when I got when uh, when I got when the Pittsburgh Steelers got got Pen- Kenny Pickett. Not that I'm astou- uh, ecstatic about it, you know, in, in retrospect, but I really thought that Malik Willis was you know heads and shoulders. Uh, I guess the the better prospect in the long run. We all knew that Kenny Pickett was prob- it was probably the best quarterback to start this year, but just the potential that Malik Willis has. And who, who knows? This might fuel Malik Willis and all all power to him, man. I mean, to uh, get get on that Tom Brady train and, you know, count all the quarterbacks that were picked ahead of you and, and prove it, prove everybody wrong, be, be that type of quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who everybody thought thought he just didn't have the you know the the quarterback IQ or talent to become the pastor that he is today and and ride with it man I mean if if nothing's gonna motivate you other than being disrespected and like you said humiliated in this former fashion I mean this certainly does well I mean he gets to play in Tennessee now he has no pressure because Taniel is not going anywhere he can really learn uh over the next couple of years so I, I think that was one of the things that was that was quite surprising. The other thing was the number of trades yeah. and the type of trades that happened on all three days. But on the first day, you had multiple trades moving up like you normally have. But then you had star caliber players being traded as well yeah. with Marquise Brown going from the Ravens to the Cardinals AJ, for a number one pick AJ and the Brown. bigger one right AJ AJ Brown going from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles and then signing a hundred million dollar extension as soon as the trade was commenced so but that made the draft exciting because in the beginning it was like Pick, 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 pick. And once you got to number 10, all of a sudden it was wheeling and dealing. And all the wide receivers got drafted between 8 and 16 after all of those trades. I mean, that that was was nuts. But that was fun. Now, gang, I hope you guys had the opportunity to listen to last week's show uh, or went back. I actually went back and I re-listened to it again this morning to get a feel for how Ernie and I did in terms of our picks terrible in, in our mark draft <laughs> and you know what I, I, it really wasn't that bad you know it really wasn't that bad now in terms of exact teams and exact players I think we had a few but if, if I remember correctly with Ernie um, both of us had Hutchinson one right. Walker two that right. didn't happen we talked about it possibly happening but Detroit was a static there but from that point on, I mean, at five and seven, you had it in backwards order, but you got the, you know, Thibodeau and Neil right to the, to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You all, we both had Sauce Gardner at four, um, but you had Garrett Wilson falling to the Jets at 10, which he did. Um, it was, I thought we did fairly well. I had Linderbaum going to the Ravens, although I had him at 14. He ended up with them at 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you, when I went back and I re-listened, I was like, Hey, heck, you know, we, 
we, we got to be live in Vegas yeah, or something. Who, I mean, we, we who gotta, is who's Kuiper? We, who's we this Kuiper guy? This because <laughs> our first round wasn't so bad. I mean, the only the only one we did have some some issues. You had one pick, uh, Raymond, the Central Michigan offensive right. lineman that didn't go into the third round. I had N'Kobe Dean, which I'm still shocked. I had him going at the end of the first round to the Packers. He didn't go to the third round. Although I think that one, people are going to live to regret yeah, I think not taking up. him. He'll show up. Um, but gang, if, if you didn't, go back and re-listen to, to that mock draft and, and the theories behind it and the picks there. I thought we did a fairly good job. Now, we didn't count on all of these trades, but right. we both had you know, you know Penny going to, to the Saints. Um, we had the running. You had Zion Johnson going to the Chargers. Uh, I thought we did well. So this is our opportunity to pat ourselves on the back. Thank you. And say <laughs> we did just as good as any other procrastinator. I mean, oh, procrastinator, <laughs> prognosticators out there. So our chance to brag a little bit. So Ernie, let's go through who we thought were winners and losers, and then we'll touch on. Uh, you know, we'll say something real quickly about every team. But I thought there were a few clear winners. The Jets, I would think, would be oh, that would be number one on my list. Actually, number one on my list would be Baltimore, just because they're uh, in the in, in the AFC North. Uh, God, I hate their draft. I I hate when they I hate when they draft well. I hated it. I hated it a couple of years ago when when they when, when they got J.K. Dobbins. I wanted J.K. Dobbins. I wanted Tyler Linderbaum. They got Tyler Linderbaum. <laughs> Baltimore did well. I mean, I, it, it's 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 it's. I mean, they got Kyle Hamilton. Uh, with, uh, well, he falls into their lap yeah. at fourteen. I mean, Who, no, they no. didn't think. They were shocked when he was still there at well, fourteen. Be, because Stingley went so early. Uh, yeah. that, that was that was a shocker to me. And then and then Kyle Hamilton falls into the Raven. Thank you, whoever. Uh, what was <laughs> wasn't Houston? Was was it? The, I can't remember who who got who got Stingley. Oh, the the Texans. The took, Texans. They, they took Stingley at you. I mean, you had the Texans taking Stingley, but you had them taking Stingley late, at thirteen. Le, yeah, later. Um, and they took him at three, and that kind of threw things off. And then you had the rush of wide receivers, and that's why Hamilton slipped down because everyone was trading up. Yeah. You had Wilson go ten. The Saints trade up for Alave at eleven. Detroit makes a massive trade up to 12 to get Jamison Williams. And then Philadelphia trades up to 13 to get Jordan Davis. Yeah. Leaving Hamilton sitting there for the Ravens there. Yeah, who, at who, who, who I believe is going to be, uh, I mean, he's, he's going to be one of the better, better safeties. Dif- you know, a, a different player than, than Reed. I think Reed was. Uh, you know, obviously, he was every, a ball hawk. Yeah, he 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 was. Kyle Hamilton is is more your 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 hit him athletic type of guy, you know. But he's good. He's going to be perennial, you know. And Tyler Linderbaum, I, I think the reason why he dropped he he uh, you know dropped so much was because of his uh, his arm length. I, th- I think that's that that's something that uh, a lot of teams look at. You know, they, they don't like alligator arms and and but Tyler Linderbaum was a was a wrestler at Iowa. Yeah. Quick and, feet, great balance, yeah. sh- extreme strength. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love the Ravens pick. And it's not just, you know, that the fact that they got Hamilton. They got Linderbaum lower in the draft. They got David Ojabo. Yes, mm. he tore his Achilles, but that's a top 10 talent that they got. 
uh, at the 45th pick. May not get anything out of him this year. Maybe they get something late, but certainly they have the luxury of affording that. I love the defensive tackle from Connecticut, Travis Jones. The guy is a physical beast. When you look at his tape, he's throwing people all over the place, super physical in the middle of their lineup. Then you get the monster of a man in Daniel Alele, the offensive tackle from Minnesota that goes 6'8", 384. Um, that is a huge man. Villanueva retired from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. So this is a tackle that may have an opportunity to play. And then... They took two tight ends. They have Charlie Kohler, who is a tremendous receiving tight end. He reminded me coming into the draft of Mark Andrews. They both come from the Big 12. He's a tremendous receiving tight end. And then they also got the kid out of Coastal Carolina, Isaiah Likely, who was highly rated. Both of them went further down than expected. So now you know what the Ravens are going to do, right? They got Mm -hmm. defense. They got offensive line. They got tight ends. They trade Marquise Brown. They're going to play in the middle of the field, pounding the ball, looking for their tight ends over the middle. Yeah, That's good. going to be the recipe for the Ravens. Uh, and they add all those injuries that they had from last year. They're all coming back. So this is just like a double draft for them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it's going to be... It's uh, They had a great draft. So, yeah, if you're, if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so... The Ravens historically draft well. They're, they're like they your do. Steelers. They're a very, very well-run organization. The Jets don't. Don't. You know, so what the Jets did in this year's draft was remarkable. I mean, they ended up... I mean, Sauce Gardner, I think, was an easy pick. Mm-hmm. And then they got a little bit lucky. Uh, Garrett Wilson was still there at 10, like you thought. I thought he was going to go to the Falcons at 8, but the Falcons decided on Drake London. So they get essentially the best cornerback, because I still think Sauce Gardner is better than Stingley, Me even too. if Stingley went ahead. Me too. They get arguably the best wide receiver in Garrett Wilson at 10. Then they trade back into the first round. I'm not sure why Jermaine Johnson fell, but he did. So you get a top 10 talent in a lot of people's draft boards at 26. Then you trade up in the second round and you get the number one running Running back back in Brees Hill. uh, Brees Hall. uh, And then you get a tight end from Ohio State as well. Phenomenal job of working the draft to come out with quality, quality players. Yeah. And according to their draft board, I mean, all three players, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson were in their top nine prospects. So to get all three of them in the first round, that's that's a winner to me. And those are three starters. Yes. I mean, right there, they're oh. definitely going to be, Sauce Gardner is going to be a lockdown corner for eight to ten years. Jermaine Johnson is going to start on one edge. Um, and Garrett Wilson is certainly going to start. He'll immediately be their number one wide receiver, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Me, uh, with me, his athletic yeah, ability. Me, and me, then you have Hall. I mean, Hall can can split time with Michael Carter, uh, but he's an every down back. I mean, the Jets, whew, this is so un-Jets-like. It, it, it is, and, I, and, and uh, Salah is like, he is like having uh, good dreams right now. I mean, to get Gardner and Johnson, uh, I, I mean, I thought, the, I thought the, the strategy would be to, you know, give more weapons to Wilson, and they did, you know, just not in the... The higher ranking places uh, other than Garrett Wilson. But yeah, the Jets overall, I think they had the best draft. We'll see in a, in a year or two. We'll see in a year or two. But right now, as, as we speak, they had the best draft 
of of all thirty two teams in my in, in my opinion. But there are a lot of other good drafts. Who else did you think had a good draft? Well, I, for for me, I like what the Lions did, especially in day one. Uh, I, I like the fact that they lucked out to me. And they got the better prospect with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh I think not only do they get the more productive player, the more sure thing, but they also get a great leader playing on his hometown. So he has the excitement of the fan base. I think they lucked out getting him. And then they did something that is so unlion-like. You can tell the influence of their new general manager, uh, Holmes, that came from the the Rams and Les Snead, being ultra-aggressive and trading up from 32 to 12 to get Jamison Williams, which I think is going to be great. They may not get anything out of him this year, but the Lions are still not going anywhere this year. So accumulating talent, that's kind of what we talked about last week uh, when we talked about Jamison Williams. Both of us thought he was going to the Saints. I love that the Lions did that. Now, the rest of their draft, they added some some nice pieces, but I thought in round one they did well. And I also like the Giants' first round. Mm. You know, I like the fact that they, they got, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. They get that big edge rusher that they desperately need. And then they got Evan uh, Neal as well, that bookend tackle that they've lacked. So I like what the Giants did as well. Um, the Saints, I thought, did a good job in the first round trading up. They identified Chris Olave as the guy they wanted. They went up and got him and still got Trevor Penning. And then I think the Eagles. You got to like what the Eagles did. I love what the Eagles did. Yeah, they trade up for Jordan Davis, that mountain of a man that yeah. both of us really, really like. I like them. Then their other first-round pick, they turn into A.J. Brown, yep. who's a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver. So that big wide receiver, I think I thought I thought they would draft Drake London. They did better. They got a, a Pro they Bowl a, caliber A.J. Brown, a and proven, proven commodity. Yeah. And then they luck into N'Kobe Dean in the yeah. third round. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like what the Eagles did. How about you? Is there yeah. anyone yeah. else besides these or, or anything else about these well, that you want to comment you know, the, on? The ones that, the ones that actually uh, stood out to me on the negative side, I, I really didn't like what New England did. I mean, the... I, I don't I don't know where Belichick is going in regards to this. Now he may prove me wrong. That's going to be the genius in him to to laugh at all of us. You know, like in a, in in a year or two. But but Cole Strange, you know, the offensive guard out of Chattanooga, coming from a small school. I mean, they must really really look at these guys and look at the potential and 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 see what uh, you know is surrounding this particular individual in regards to to getting him. Because I thought that was a, a, a massive reach. Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Uh, he he's not bad. Well, he's blazing fast. Yeah. So he's the fastest wide receiver in the draft. But both of those picks you could have possibly yes. got in round three, maybe yes. even round four. So to have that be your first two picks, and they traded up to yeah. get uh, Thornton as well. Exactly, just yeah. seems so unpatriot like it yeah. really did. Yeah, uh, and and you know what? I would love I would have loved this to happen like several years ago <laughs> when you guys when they had dropped Tom Brady. Uh, I hope I hope it works out. You know, I really hope hope it works out. I I you know what? Now that the Patriots aren't really a threat for the Super Bowl, in my opinion, at this point in time. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I can at least say I, I, I admire Belichick. I don't want him going out like this being, uh, you know. Right, because they're in danger now. I think Buffalo is the cream of that division yeah. easily. I think all the things that Miami did in free agency, they're clearly number two. And after the, what the Jets did in this draft, they're creeping up on the Patriots. You could be a year or two away from the Patriots being the fourth best team in their own division, which is shocking. Yeah. I mean, there are there are kids there are, there are people our kids' age 
that cannot relate to that yeah. because they've always been in first place exactly. since our kids are born. Exactly. I just have too much respect for Belichick to go out in this manner. Uh, I mean, not that all. I mean, he'll have to do this several times over in order to actually ruin his legacy. But it just leaves a sour, sour taste, you know. Because I, I, I really believe that he played a big part. Yes, he had Tom Brady, but I think Belichick, uh, you know, deserves at least the benefit of the doubt in this. On, uh, on his picks. It just doesn't look like it in, in this draft. Okay, but. so what, what, why don't we do this, Ernie? Let's talk about your Steelers. Okay. Because, gang, honestly, talking about my Rams right now, my my whole mindset is in less need and Sean McVay <laughs> we trust because we didn't pick to the 104th pick. I'll oh, be honest yeah. with you. I did not know almost every of the players that so, the Rams drafted. <laughs> so at this point in time, we're just going to trust the fact that the Rams know what they're doing. The Rams, the one thing I told Ernie off there is the Rams seem to draft one year in advance. So they went heavy on, on defensive backs this year because they have a number of them going into their last year on their rookie deal. So it looks like they already made up their mind that they're not going to keep these guys and they went for replacements now. But overall, I mean, talking about the Rams not going to do us any good because none of us know any of the players unless you're their family. So let's talk about your Steelers because I love what they did, and I'm sure you're excited too. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I, we, we spoke off the air. I mean, I was a bit shocked when we when, when we got uh, Kenny Pickett other, uh, rather than uh, Malik Willis. I, I, I think I've been proven wrong in regards to my evaluation of Malik Willis because all 32 teams passed on him, not just once, but twice. And in some cases, three times over before he was actually picked up by the by the you know Tennessee. by the Tennessee Titans over there. But yeah, I mean everything that I'm like, I, I, the more I look into it, the more I like Kenny Pickett. I mean, the it had it has already been known that uh, I, I believe uh, whoever was picking uh, on the fifteenth put out a tweet that they did not want to trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they got an offensive lineman. And that 15th pick was going to be for Kenny Pickett. So not only did they, were, did they like him so much, but they were willing to give up assets to move up to the five spots to the 15th pick to, to, to get him. But, they, you know, they got rejected. He still fell in their laps, uh, fortunately. You know, so if when the Pittsburgh Steelers move up to pick, they've done it with Troy Polamalu. Devin Bush, he got hurt, but you know, I, I thought you know at that time I thought he was he was he was a good well, he, he was, was a good pick. Pittsburgh Steelers they don't move up very often, so when they mm -hmm. were willing to move up for Kenny Pickett, I I I think they, they saw something special. So thank thank goodness for them that they did it. Now, granted, they only had a handful of picks after that, but let's go through their first four picks. Kenny Pickett, you already talked about. I love him. Then George Pickens has first one talent, yes. maybe top 10 talent. Yeah. He did get injured. He has some issues that he had off the field. But if he can stay, toe the line and stay healthy and stay good off the field, you have somebody who's very much a duplicate of Chase Claypool. Oh, yeah. So if you have two of those, that's going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Then they had value uh, in DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. And then they had value in Calvin Austin, the third I, I wide like receiver that. from Memphis. I like So they, they lost Juju, they lost James Washington, and they upgraded the position to me with Pickens and Austin. I mean... The Steelers just continue to do what the Steelers do. Then they went a little homer late in the draft. They did. You know, taking a, a defensive tackle Hayward's brother Connor there. as a, I guess he's going to be a tight end. He's listed as a tight end here. And then they took a second quarterback at the very, very end of the draft mm. um, that I'm not sure about. But 
your Steelers, they do a good job. This I'm looking here at a, at a draft grade. It has them as a as a B plus grade. I'd agree. I mean, I th- I think they did well. I think a B plus is is very good for them. Yeah, I I, I do too. And I, and I think Kenny Pickett will have a chance to at, uh, a chance to show himself at the very least. Push the other two quarterbacks on the roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, every you know the the bad uh, pub on top of him was that he he had small hands. Uh, and that he did not have a very strong arm. The guy has good accuracy. The guy mm-hmm. threw, he had 41 touchdowns, 12 mm-hmm. interceptions. That's why he was in the running for uh, the Heisman Trophy, came, mm-hmm. in, came in third this year. And he's a winner. Yeah, he, he's, when he got there, the, the you know, pit sucked. Yeah. And then this year they win the ACC title. Yes. You know, so he's a winner. Yeah. And, and he, that means something. The leadership qualities he has is, is, is there. So if he, can, if, if, if he can push through those those uh in my opinion fixable things i mean you cannot fix your hand but you know there was a there was he sent out photographs showing how his joints on his thumb actually expand so it actually covers the football that's actually equivalent to a uh, hand size maybe two or three inches larger you know if that holds true i mean he he doesn't fumble so you know that's uh you know something in his favor in regards to his hands and if in Canada's system, Canada actually coached at Pitt. Now, he didn't coach uh, Pickett at that time because Pickett was just a freshman. But he knows about Pickett because he draft, he helped recruit him to the University of Pittsburgh. So he knows his style. I think that Canada can actually, you know, uh, do schemes around Pickett. He's, he's a fast guy, very mobile guy, very accurate. He's got a chance. He's got a chance. Okay, so what we're going to do now is, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on every team, but we do want to just do some highlights. So maybe we'll just alternate teams or any. We'll just go back and forth. We'll start with the AFC. I'll do Buffalo. You do Miami. And then we'll go back back and forth like that on the teams that we have not already spoken to. Okay. So with the Buffalo Bills, they already are loaded. So they're looking for quality depth. And I think they got exactly what they wanted. Kair Elam in round one. They got James Cook, a running back from Georgia in round two. Um... I thought they did a well. I mean, I, I thought they did they they did a good job. They have a you know a B grade here. Um, I don't see them having too many issues with their picks. So, what about you and the Miami Dolphins? Well, How do you think they did? Well, it's 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 hard to call have them uh, say it's a good draft. I mean, they didn't have a uh, they dra- they they only had four <laughs> picks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your first pick is coming in the third round, but for, with that first pick, Channing Tindall out of Georgia. Just because the fact that he came out of Georgia. Fifteen Georgia players in this draft, Ernie. Fifteen Georgia players. It's crazy. I mean, I told you off the air, but the Rams drafted their third cornerback. I mean, that's how good you are when you're you're not even a starter and you're still getting drafted. Exactly, exactly. I mean, so I, I, I... you know what? If if Georgia wasn't as dominant, maybe this guy is like actually a second round prospect <laughs> or or something. But you know what? Miami got him in the third. So uh, other than that, I really don't recognize anything. Yeah, they don't have a whole lot whole, going on there. But Miami did all their damage in free agency. The value of having a lot of money to spend. We already talked about the disappointing Patriots. We talked about the the awesome job that the Jets did and the Ravens did. How do you think the Bengals did? This is your division. Yeah, I like what they did, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, they got Daxton Hill, uh, 
uh, defensive back out of Michigan. I thought that was I. I actually was looking him as a Pittsburgh Steeler at what particular point in time. I think they got value for him at num at, at number thirty one. At, at thirty one. I mean, he was. He, I, I didn't see too many mock drafts that had him outside of the first round. So I think that was a at, a, a, at least a solid pick at most. At at, at worst, I'm talking about. Uh, but they follow that up with. Uh, another cornerback with Cam Taylor Britt. I'm not surely how how he he's gonna do out of Nebraska, but I really like Zachary Carter out of Florida. I mean, a a, a big a big uh, type of guy uh, to help supplement that uh, that defensive line over there. I mean, he's 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 not very fast, not very strong, but he was a very productive guy. Uh, I think they got a pretty decent uh pick out of him on top of that and then and then uh you're looking at uh a north dakota state cordell volson i think they really couldn't avoid getting an offensive lineman although they were very active in the free agency mm -hmm. market uh to me they had a they had a good draft to shore up what they came up short on uh on the in the super bowl i right. I, I think they did well for themselves i think and this does nothing to push them back. I think this, this uh, you know, solidifies, uh, you know, their type of scheme and, you know, makes, makes them, again, a contender for the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I, I st as awesome a draft as the Ravens had, I still have the Bengals as my number one team out of that division. So I'll, I'll take the Cleveland Browns. You know, because of the Deshaun Watson trade, they didn't pick until the third round. They had three third rounders, two fourth rounders. Nothing staggering. I mean, Alex Wright, defensive end, I think he has long arms. I think they're expecting him to take Jadavian Clowney's place. Very similar build. Uh, David Bell, a wide receiver out of Purdue. They've lost all their wide receivers. I mean, Jarvis Landry is gone. Higgins is gone. They traded for Amari Cooper, but they have a, a definite void at wide receiver. I expect him to start for them. Then Perion Winfrey, a defensive tackle from Oklahoma. They actually took a kicker in the fourth round. Cade York, I'll add a shoe, the number one kicker. They've had some problem with their place kicking, but to take a kicker in the fourth round is pretty high. So uh, an okay draft for Cleveland. I, I don't think it's a, a staggering draft, but I think they did okay for themselves considering that they didn't pick into the third round. And you do have to factor uh, Deshaun Watson into the equation there. So let's go to the South, um, the Houston Texans. How do you think they did? The Houston Texans. Let me just pull that up on top. I really thought they, I mean, Derek Stinley might prove me wrong. I, I, to, for him to go number three, I, like we said uh, earlier, I, I thought Sauce Gardner was probably the best going. They must see something uh, scheme-wise, schematic-wise, that uh, proved that Stingley was a better fit for, the, for, for, for their defense. Can't go wrong. LSU product. LSU has had a number of defensive backs uh, come out of that school and, and, and done well. So, but for the number three overall pick, when I saw actually that guy even falling out of the top 10 in multiple, multiple uh, mock drafts, uh, it, 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 it leaves some reservations for me. Uh, their second first round pick, they got the offensive lineman, uh, lineman Kenny Green. Solid. I mean, all, all the ones who separated themselves as being, you know, uh, the top choices were, you know, were already gone. I think if you needed an offensive lineman, which th which which they do, uh, Kenyon Green was a very solid pick over uh, over there. Uh, safety Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. Baylor had a pretty decent season, uh, but what I really like is their uh, John Mechie 
out of Alabama yep. over there. Slot yeah. receiver. Torres ACL in yeah. November. But he should be back, you know, for, for the season. I, I like Mechie as well. I like, yeah. I, 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 I think uh, they got value for him. I think he dropped because of that because of that uh, basic injury. Mm-hmm. And then uh, running back, Damian Pierce, that they had uh, number seven uh, overall, a running back out of Florida. I, I, I can't discount running backs now uh, in, in these drafts. It seems to me that over the past several years that the good ones, they really come out in the third, fourth round. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you get I'm, a lot of value there. You 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 do it now. The guy is a little bit undersized, but he's he from uh, his write up. He's very shifty. Uh, I think he fits into that type of uh, uh, scheme over there. Uh, Houston has had a number of smallish type of running backs that have done well in the past. So that might be a a real boon for them over there. See, I don't don't have them having an extremely good draft grade. However, I think Stingley, Green, Petrie, Mechie, Christian Harris, linebacker from Alabama, and Pierce all eventually start. So if you can get six starters out of a draft, Mm -hmm. um, you can't complain. So I got the Indianapolis Colts. Again, with them, they lost their number one pick because of the Carson Wentz trade from last year. Uh, they draft Alec Pierce, a wide receiver from Cincinnati. I actually like that pick. Mm-hmm. Big guy, gets open, reminds me a little bit of Cooper Cup in the way he plays. I think he'll be perfect opposite of Pittman. Uh, then Jelani Woods, the monster tight end out of Virginia, six foot seven. So now you got a lot of big guys in the red zone to be able to target down there. And then Bernard Raymond, they got in the third round. You had him going in round one. They stole him at pick 77 in round three. And then Nick Cross, a quality safety out of Maryland. So I think they did an okay job based on the fact that they didn't pick until the second round. I, I thought they, they did a pretty good job. Now, Jacksonville, they had the number one pick. Overall, what do you think? How do you think they did? I, I think this is something that needs to be reevaluated in maybe a year or two. I, 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 I believe like how you believe that Aiden Hutchinson was was the most ready. Uh, Definitely Trayvon Walker over here, the number one pick in all of the NFL draft for 2022, has all the potential to be uh, a generational player. I mean, the guy is big, fast, strong, very disruptive. He just didn't have the production, uh, although Georgia had a historic uh, type of uh, defense overall. Trayvon, Trayvon Walker just didn't really have the numbers to really, uh, how, how should I say this, complement the physical attributes that he showed at the Combine. Uh, so, I, you know what, for, for me, I, I, I don't hate the pick because he could very well be that uh, type of linebacker because of his upside that we all talk about 20 years from now, you know. Uh, I thought Aiden Hutchinson, you know, when you're picking number one, you, you, in my sure opinion, you want the sure thing. And yeah. the, to me, the sure thing was Aiden Hutchinson. So I drop him down a notch. Now, they kind of make it up, in my opinion, because Devin Lloyd, I, who I thought was the best line, linebacker, they pick him up at number 27 overall. They get their center, uh, Luke Fortner, out of Kentucky. So that's, uh, you know, you, you got to protect your quarterback. And when your quarterback is, uh, you know, one of those... Uh, one in twenty years. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta uh, invest some draft picks mm-hmm. on top of him. And then they got Chad Muma out of uh, Wyoming. Uh, not really too high on top of him, but I don't know. There's, uh, I just really thought that 
there were some reaches in my opinion. Trayvon Walker, who I had going number two, doesn't seem like that much of a reach, but to, to me, it's a, it's a gamble. I really thought the only really good pick, at least in the first three rounds, four rounds, was Devin Lloyd. I'm not sure how you saw that. I mean, I would give this... I would give this draft a B minus. Yeah, I mean, I thought they did an okay draft, but I'll go with Tennessee. I think Tennessee, the big news that they had, the two big things that they had, one, they traded A.J. Brown, but I think that they did a very good job of replacing him with Traylon Burks in the first round. Mm -hmm. Somebody that I think is very similar to A.J. Brown in terms of their makeup, their size, etc. They get the, the cornerback in round two. They get a good quality offensive tackle in round three, but the... At 86, the Malik Willis, this will be the make-or-break draft pick of this draft. Mm -hmm. If he eventually starts, say, two years down the line, uh, or if they can leverage him into a number one pick maybe next year, I think that's going to be something. But I think the quality of this draft is going to really depend on Malik Willis. But although they gave up A.J. Brown, they replaced him with Traylon Burks, and they saved $100 million dollars that they can allocate to another position. So I don't have a real problem with Tennessee and not, not the best draft in the book, but certainly not the worst. So let's let's jump to the a AFC West, uh, the Denver Broncos. How do you think they did? Now, you have to factor that Russell Wilson has to be part of this trade. But from that point on, how do you think the, the Broncos did? I, 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 like their, I like their draft. I think, uh, you know, again, Russell, just be... Okay, now if you're saying how did it work after Russell Wilson, uh, you got to bring it down a notch because they didn't, you know, they didn't have that. Uh, it was basically a, a very late second round pick in in which they picked up Nick Bonito, uh, edge out of Oklahoma. But Russell Wilson is the one that makes to me that makes this draft everything that the the Denver Broncos did from here on out is basically to fortify. Uh, you know, they're already good defense and and help give Russell Wilson uh, not weapons this year, in my opinion, because actually I think they had very good skill set uh, personnel on, on the offensive side, but at least good backup material that hopefully they could develop later on. I mean, they picked up a tight end and Greg Dulich out of UCLA. The, the Mari Mathis was a cornerback that I know that out of Pittsburgh that I know the Pittsburgh Steelers we're actually looking at I, and and I to get him at 115 overall I I really thought the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to take be be taking him in the third round so I think that's a, a good pickup for them but you know not a all not a bad draft in my opinion for the Denver Broncos I would give him a B plus I agree I mean I think they did good especially when you consider the Russell Wilson factor so I'll take the Kansas City Chiefs I like what they did surprisingly they went defense in the first round they traded up to 21 I thought it was going to be to go get a wide receiver, but nope, they went cornerback in Trent McDuffie, which is your top-rated cornerback on your board. So they got him at 21. They come back at 30 with George Karlaftis, uh, a pass-rushing demon um, there. And then I think the key is that they still got Sky Moore, who I thought they were going to take at maybe 29 or 30, at 54. I believe he's one of the most underrated receivers in this draft. I love him in the Kansas City Chiefs. And then I think they, you know, they got lucky with Darian Kennard still there, a guard late. Uh, I like what Kansas City did. I think they got two starters uh, in on the defensive side in McDuffie and Karlaftis. I think they got Sky Moore, who at worst will be the number three wide receiver. 
Um, and then Brian Cook, a possible replacement for Tyron Matthews. So if they can get three or four starters out of that first four picks, I think Kansas City did a pretty good job. Yeah, and I, I actually th- like what they did. I, I, I like Sky Moore at where they, I think he just fits that system so well. Uh, I, I think the way that he runs routes and his shiftiness and his, his quickness out there, I think just uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a new toy to play with in, in, in that type of wide receiver. I, I really like that pick. I'll, I'll move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, another team that uh, really didn't have much in the first or second round. I mean, yeah. uh, on, on the, they pick up as their first pick Dylan Parham, out of, uh, an offensive guard out of Memphis. Uh, I, I think that was par for the course. Zamir White is is very interesting running back, running back out of Georgia. I I mean for him to 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 fall that far. I mean everybody talks about Georgia's uh, Georgia's defense over here. We 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 cannot forget about their offense, and he was a pretty integral part of that offense. So you know, as far as the Las Vegas Raiders concerned, uh, you know, picking as far back as and and I'm, I know that. As a Rams fan, you can uh, appreciate that f- uh, that fact that they did a they did a e- decent uh, well, decent again job. with them. You got to factor in that they got Devonte Adams with their first round exactly, pick. You know, exactly. so if you add Devonte Adams to this, then then you get a quality guard that'll probably start Zamir White. They didn't pick up uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, contract for for the fifth year, so they're looking for the future. And then with with the Chargers, uh, Zion Johnson, you had that pick for them at seventeen. They're continuing to invest in their offensive line that's really the only thing that i thought was noteworthy for them i think jt woods will provide depth and as a safety isaiah spiller will i think will make the team as a backup for austin eckler but nothing else there that is really staggering to me so i think they did they did an okay job so let's go over to the nfc um and we'll go through this relatively quick um why don't we do this ernie because in in it you know for time's sake let's one of us do the entire division so i'll give you the nfc east i'll take the north you do the south and then i'll finish with the west with the rounds okay shall i start with the nfc east then yeah you can do the nfc East. okay you know what i'm not on the right page maybe maybe you should start okay (laughs) you got it you got it so let me start with the uh nfc North. That's what we're we're gonna do right now. So with that, oh my goodness, we're both having technical issues here. I've lost my page for the NFC. Okay, so we already talked about the Detroit Lions. I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking uh, about them, but let's go with the Chicago Bears. Okay. So the Chicago Bears. I thought they would spend much more assets protecting Justin Fields and getting them assets. Allen Robinson, they lost. He's now a, a Ram. But no, they went cornerback with the first pick that they had, which is 39. They went safety with the 48th pick. Then I thought they stretched for Velas Jones, a wide receiver at 71. I don't think... I like Dominique Robinson. I think they got a really good value there as a pass rusher at 174 in the fifth round. I didn't like the Bears draft. I thought I thought they really left some assets on the table. And at the end of the day, it's a quarterback lead and they did nothing to help Justin Fields. Uh, Detroit, we already talked about. Green Bay, we, we talked about them uh, a little bit early on. And then there's the Minnesota Vikings. So the Vikings, I thought they constantly traded down. They accumulated some assets there. Um, and then I think they got who they really wanted. You know, they got Andrew Booth. They got a cornerback. They got some help on their line. 
Um, I think overall, the, the Minnesota Vikings did okay. I, I don't think they did anything that's staggering, but I don't think they did anything to hurt their chances as well. I, I like their best pick. I think they, they have two starters. I think uh, Lewis will uh, sign, will start from Georgia in the first round. I think Booth will start. Ingram will provide depth. But other than that, I don't see a whole lot there. So let's go to you and the NFC East. Okay, let me just start off with the New York Giants. Again, we spoke a little bit about Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, edge out of uh, Oregon. Uh, again, they, they they did they did well. They had they had a lot of cap, draft capital out there. Evan Neal, uh, massive tackle out of Alabama. You know, could have been like I, I don't know. The, the the guy was even projected to possibly even go number one overall. Uh, when uh, Wendell Robinson, wide receiver out of Kentucky, you know, again, a very deep wide receiver draft class. I thought they did very well uh, in this draft. Uh, if I move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, again, we touched upon Jordan Davis. I really love Jordan Davis. I, you know, I, I was wondering when he first was on the board if uh, the Steelers could pick him up at number 20. Uh, the last week and a half, I believe, uh, you know, put my mind at rest that there's no way that he was going to fall that uh, fall that far. And uh, lo and behold, the Georgia defensive tackle goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, for the Washington Commanders, nothing really impressive. I mean, they got uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, wide receiver out of Penn State. Again, like I mentioned earlier, wide receiver being one of the most... Uh, you know, sought-after position or most the deepest position in this draft. I don't think you can go anything wrong, but, you know, the rest of the names out there really don't excite me. Fedrin Mathis, defensive tackle out of Alabama. They finish off uh, in, uh, you know, in the early third round, early fourth round with Brian Robinson running back out of Alabama. Nothing that really excites me, you know, as, as, as far as, uh, you know, future all-stars over there. So I would give them a B. Uh, to close out the NFC East, uh, let's head on to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, looking at all their picks, I, I, again, nothing that, that really, really uh, uh, puts uh, fear into my eyes. They've done well with their offensive tackles, though. You know, Their offensive line ha- has been good for years, so maybe they're seeing something that I, that I don't see. But they got Tyler Smith, offensive tackle out of, uh, out of Tulsa. Sean Williams, defensive end out of Ole Miss. Again, uh, not a name breaker for me. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert, South. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, you'd really have to. For me, you'd really have to go deep, deep, deep into, uh, you know, as far as a positional player wide receiver uh, to to come up with uh, Tolbert's name. So again, not very impressive draft. I mean, uh, they did they did well. So you know the. The caveat on doing well is that you get you get pick pick late in your rounds. Well, I think they tried to replace you know the people that they've lost. That's why they took Smith to replace Leo Collins, Williams to replace Randy Gregory, Tolbert to replace Amari Cooper. I'm just not sure those replacements are anywhere near as good as the people that they're trying to replace. So good job there. So I'll take the um, NFC West. You know, so the Arizona Cardinals they didn't pick until the second round because. But you got to factor in Marquise Brown here. So they drafted Marquise Brown, so to speak, in the first round to replace Christian Kirk. So you add him to the mix 
uh, with DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, and that's a formidable foundation. Then you had Trey McBride, who was their first pick, the number one tight end in the draft. You add him to Zach Ertz. So now you have those three receivers plus Rondell Moore and these two tight ends. That is a formidable offense. So I like what they did there. Cameron Thomas is a defensive end. They're hoping that he can replace Chandler Jones. Other than that, Sanders, I think, is decent depth. There's nothing else in there that I think is going to be too much of, of an extreme thing. I like what they did when you factor in Marquise Brown, but I give them a, you know, a B, B minus grade. We talked about my Rams. They're incomplete to me because we don't know anybody here. Logan Bruce might be a starter, but other than that, this is going to be depth for the future. So I really don't have a, a, a give them an incomplete. San Francisco, I think I was a little bit disappointed in their draft. They normally draft really well. And again, maybe you just trust that they know what they're talking about. Uh, they took Drake Jackson in the first round. Linebacker, to me, is their position of strength. That's the strongest part of their team. And yet they took him uh, with the 61st pick. Then they took uh, Davis Price, a running back from LSU, in the third round, which I thought was surprising. And then Danny Gray, a wide receiver uh, as well. Um to me, a little bit questionable. I thought they would go more offensive line because they lost Tomlinson. They lost um, their right tackle might be retiring. Their center might be retiring. But they must know what we don't know. And then they had Mr. Irrelevant with Brock Purdy there uh, at the seventh pick. And then Seattle. Now, I like what Seattle did. And I think you have to look at Seattle from the context of what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And Pete Carroll wants to run and he wants to defend. Charles Cross, they got at number nine. You had him going number three. I yeah. think you really, really like him. He's going to start at tackle for them. I like their um, the offensive tackle in the third round, Abraham Lucas. I believe he'll start. So they have their bookend tackles, I believe. Uh, their two tackles that they got from this draft. Boye Mafe, a pass rusher of the, as the linebacker position. I think he's going to be a factor. Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen is somebody I wanted the Rams to take early in the fourth round. They decided to go in another direction. I believe those two cornerbacks are going to factor in. Um, and then I love Kenneth Walker III. I mean, to me, he was the best player in college football last year. He was just so good at running back. And I think you put, he is exactly what Pete Carroll likes in a running back. So they have Rashad Penny, who closed the year really, really strong. Kenneth Rocker is now there. I think that means that Chris Carson is probably going to be released because they're not going to have a need for him anymore. So I think Seattle had the best draft in the NFC West, um, in my opinion. You know, And then you factor in the assets that they got uh, in the Russell Wilson trade as well. But they also have to replace Russell Wilson, which they chose not to do. And they had multiple opportunities to take one of the... One of the um, the quarterbacks in this year's draft okay so ernie finish us off with the nfc south okay well i guess i'll start off with tampa bay buccaneers i mean the tampa bay buccaneers were basically a blown pass up the middle seam away from being in in the super bowl so not too many uh, really needs on, on top of there i mean really the need would have been if if tom brady didn't come back at quarterback but he's back but uh, so basically they could pick whoever they wanted in regards to best available player. I think they did that. I think they got they got very good value picks, uh, taking Logan Hall defensive end out of, out of Houston, fortifying their offensive uh, line with guard Luke Gadecki out of uh, Central Michigan. Uh, a real interesting pick in Rashad White, uh, running back out of Arizona State. 
I mean, uh, the way that they, they, they run their running backs over there, Rashad was seemed to be, uh, you know, that, that, that type of running back who could do a little bit more as far as patch catching than uh, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are used to be doing. So maybe that's a, a, a new scheme from their offensive side. Uh, overall, I, I would have to give them like a, an A minus B plus just because they, you know, they were basically, it seemed like they were basically picking for the best available player. If we move on to the, the New Orleans Saints, uh, the only, I mean, yeah, we, we spoke about Chris Olave, uh, you know, uh, being the receiver that they picked at number 11. Very quick guy out of Ohio State. Even, uh, you know, I very close to his teammate over there, Garrett Wilson, as far as, uh, you know, uh, wide receiver potential. Then they got offensive tackle Trevor Penning. But I think that's all that really looks good on, 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 their, on their draft boards. I really don't recognize the name or uh, or have uh, heard on other reviews that their draft went okay, uh, other than their first two picks in the first round. So uh, you know, but they did only have five overall picks. So maybe a B, B, B minus for them. Uh, let me just go. We already spoke about the. We already spoke about the Atlanta Falcons. So I'll just skip on to the Carolina Panthers. They did well overall. I think uh, Iki Kwanu. I had him, you know, potentially going as high as number three on a lot of the the draft boards over there. And then what was interesting, I don't know if they were gonna pick up Malik Willis uh, with their with their actually their third round pick. They didn't have a second round pick, but they ended up getting Matt Corral. I thought Matt Corral probably would have gone a little bit higher for them over there. Uh, you know, Brandon Smith, the out of linebacker, you. Penn State, he might be a prospect that could uh, push for, you know, uh, decent rotation in his in his freshman year. I would I would say just based upon Iki Kwanu and if Matt Corral, you know, if if Trevor Lawrence ever gets oh not Trevor Lawrence. <sighs> you mean Sam Darnold? <laughs> Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> you got to fix so much of my errors. Just keep going. Okay. If, 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 if Sam Darnold ever gets hurt, you know, that will thrust Matt Corral. At one point in time, Matt Corral was a first-round pick. I mean, that's... Um, I actually think he's going to beat out Sam Darnold at some point this year. You, you think so? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good value pick for where they got him. Overall, I give them a B plus. Okay, so gang, that wraps up our NFL analysis in terms of the draft. But again, this is just our opinions. I mean, if we go back next year at this point in time and relook at what happened this year, I think things would be different. Um, but overall, I got to say, from my Rams perspective, the draft is just no fun anymore, which is fine as long as we keep <laughs> winning Super Bowls. But I think Ernie is happy with his team, uh, the additions for his team. And now we see how these things play out. I mean, on paper and actually on the field is two different things. So I'm going to go quickly through my closing thought and I am going to get back on my soapbox and I'm going to talk NCA transfer portals again, Ernie, and I'm going to spit out some stats. There are 3,400 football players in the portal over the last year. There are currently 1,400 players in the basketball transfer portal. That in itself is crazy. But here's, listen to these numbers. Last year of those 3,400, 
Only 58% of those in the football pro, uh, portal actually go to a new school. Now, some of those choose to come back. Others are left with no scholarship because there are way more people in the portal than there are scholarships available. Because wow. a lot of high school kids are getting these scholarships. So some schools hold on to scholarships for the portal, but then you run out. So I know from I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, and there are a number of Miami Hurricanes that went into the portal, and there are a handful of them who have no team as of right now. You know, so you know with the with the transfer portal there's good and there's bad and i think with some of these kids they're looking for greener pastures or thinking there's greener pastures and then oftentimes it's not really there um but here's one of the concerns that i have we're it's as if we have year-long free agency ernie as it's currently stated in the rules if i play for the university of michigan i can play against michigan state this week transfer on monday to ohio state and then play with Ohio State against Michigan the week later. I mean, to me, that is just obscene that there's in-season transfers as well. Because what stops you from constantly recruiting? You know, if you can get one kid, even a kid that's not even that good, to come from Michigan to Ohio State and bring the playbook with them, right, right. you know, that would make sense to give up a scholarship for that. So there has to be a change. At least no in-season transfers are allowed. You can transfer after the season at the end of the conclusion of the bowl games. Maybe open up the transfer portal at that time to two to three weeks in conjunction with the college football high school signings. Um, but something has to change. Now, we see the impact of the transfer portal on some of our great coaches. I mean, in the college basketball ranks, in the last two years, you've lost Roy Williams, retired from North Carolina, Coach K, retired from Duke, and now Jay Wright, retired from Villanova, three of the most successful college coaches of all time. And all of them hint that the transfer portal and the way the game is now is just not something that excites them and something that they want to participate with. And... There was a situation with the Miami Hurricanes basketball team this week that came out. Isaiah Wong, one of their better players, it was alleged that his camp said he was going to go into the transfer portal unless his NIL deal was improved dramatically. In other words, a college player is saying, give me more lucrative NIL money or else I'm going to go into the transfer portal. If that doesn't reek of fraud uh, or the potential for fraud... Um, I don't know what does. I mean, it just seems like the NCAA is going down the path of a free-for-all. And I believe that in the long run, the sport's going to pay the price for this. So that was shocking, you know, when I heard that. So, And then the other thing I think that's factoring in, you always want to give kids the opportunity to improve their situation. But one of the things that these kids are losing out on is none of them are developing any kind of resiliency or any kind of perseverance. The minute they don't like something... They go into the portal. And you can transfer time after time after time. Before, you could transfer once. You have to wait a year, and then you go. So you're more apt to at least stay, fight, be resilient, develop some of these skills that make you successful in life. Now, you can just keep going from place to place to place to place to place. So I believe the transfer portal is effective. Like, if my coach leaves, I should be able to leave too. But... Other than those kinds of situations, I believe there has to be a lot more restrictions in place that keeps the, the possibility of fraud out of college sports. Because right agree. now, you know, with USC, 
A lot of people want to go to LA. Some of their USC players are getting a million dollars in NIL deals. A million dollars. Um, which is cr- why wouldn't you go there right. if you're a college kid and you can get a million dollars before you even go pro? Why wouldn't you not go there? So I believe we have to take a look at this. Every once in a while, I bring that up, bring this up. If you guys are not aware uh, of this, you can tell it's a pet peeve of mine. I just want college sports to be competitive. I want it to be fair to the kids and to the to the colleges, and I want it to not reek of any kind of fraudulent. I want I don't want to ever doubt. That what's happening is on the up and up because the beauty of sports is the fact that anybody can win on any given day uh, and that can be taken away by the way that the portal can be used to manipulate situations right, so that's right. kind of my soapbox again uh, every three months or so when i see stats like this coming out and right now it's the basketball transfer portal uh, i gotta i gotta i gotta say something no 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 i i, I totally agree on uh, with you on top of that like so many things uh in this world i think the intent was was in good faith however you know the uh the powers that be tried to manipulate into their favor making it an ugly thing but yeah, I, I, I have a very good feeling that, uh, you know, within the next season or two, there's going to be at least some slight adjustments and hopefully it, uh, you know, neg- uh, you know, mitigates some of these, uh, like you said, fraudulent uh, reasons. Yeah. You know, everyone, you know, everyone finds loopholes. So, so, gang, what an exciting week. There's nothing quite like the NFL draft. For those of you that made it to Las Vegas, who are in Las Vegas for the NFL draft, there was about 650,000 people there. It looked like a three-day party. It looked like they had an amazing time. Um, For many teams, like the Jets, they're going to be excited for the first time in a long time. The Ravens, we believe, did a great job. And then question marks, like the Patriots, uh, maybe the Jags, you know, but we'll see. I mean, we don't know right now. We only can talk about what's on paper. But tell us what you think. Who do you think had the best drafts? Go to Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, Share with us your thoughts. Who is your favorite team? What do you think about their draft? Uh, We'd love to have that feedback and we'd be happy to debate with you. And Ernie really wants to debate with you about the Boston Celtics and how they're going to come back and beat the Bucks in six. So all you Boston overreactors, pipe down because Ernie's got this lockdown on the Celtics. Ernie, anything you want to say? I'm good. All right, gang, until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.